Commodities markets, Brent crude oil right now uh, is trading at $64.50 a barrel. Gold is moving up this morning in Asian trading at $1,549 an ounce. And in the currency markets, the US dollar is at 109.9 against the Japanese yen. That's it for Money Talk this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. The weather forecast for today, bright periods. Maximum temperature is going to be around 21 degrees and the outlook is for it to be mild during the day tomorrow. Sunny periods and cool mornings in the following few days. It's 18 degrees right now and it's 80% relative humidity. 8.30 and a half, here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. The campaign group Human Rights Watch has accused the Chinese authorities of overseeing the most brutal and pervasive oppression the country has seen in decades. The group's annual report highlights the treatment of more than a million Uyghur Muslims who've been rounded up and held in camps for political indoctrination. Kenneth Roth is from the campaign group. At home, the Chinese Communist Party worries that if they were to permit political freedom, it would jeopardize their grasp on power. And as a result, it has constructed an Orwellian high-tech surveillance system and a sophisticated system of internet censorship to try to monitor and suppress any public criticism. Abroad, the Chinese government is increasingly using its growing economic and diplomatic clout to silence critics Mr. Roth was denied entry to Hong Kong on Sunday, where he'd planned to unveil the report. Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen has told the BBC the island has no need to declare formal independence because it's already an independent country. She said last weekend's presidential election, in which she won a second term in office, was a very clear signal to Beijing to rethink its position. You cannot exclude the possibility of a war at any time. But the thing is... You have to get yourself prepared and develop the ability to defend yourself. But in addition to this military preparedness, I mean, what is more important is that you have to get international support for your cause. I do think we have a pretty decent capability here. Invading Taiwan is something that is going to be very costly for China. A microbiologist says he's concerned about the level of containment in Wuhan, which is battling an outbreak of a new virus. There are around 60 confirmed cases of the novel coronavirus on the mainland and one overseas case in Thailand. A team of health officials has returned from a two-day visit to Wuhan and is expected to brief local experts this morning. While a rapid diagnostic test has been created, Dr Siddharth Sridhar from the University of Hong Kong says the medical community is still missing some important information. Pending from China is more in terms of what has been done to control the outbreak at their jurisdiction and also more in terms of the clinical characteristics of the patient. How severe is the pneumonia? What are the uh, rates of things like intensive care or death? Um, these kind of very specific clinical details. What treatments have been instituted? These are very important information. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
morning and welcome to Back to Earth. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Rachel Cartland. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning. And we're going to be talking first today about the issue of the integration of Hong Kong into the Greater Bay Area. The Guangdong Provincial People's Congress kicked off uh, this week on, uh, uh, with calls for greater integration to win hearts and minds in Hong Kong and to boost the local economy. And the new head of the liaison here has been one of his first actions pledged to work with Guangdong's leaders to push forward regional cooperation. But uh, on the other hand, according to a new survey from a privately funded foundation focused on promoting cross-border exchanges, more than 70% of the people that they interviewed in Hong Kong held that the city should keep its distance from mainland China. More than half believe that universities in Hong Kong should not open their door to mainland Chinese students. So what are the actual chances of that kind of integration? And what are the pros and cons? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can give us a call on that telephone number, 233-88266. We'd very much like to hear from you later. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the uh, CE's $10 billion package for the poor maybe we can ask uh, our guests uh, on our first topic on that topic as well uh, joining us uh, now we have peter guys economist with the south china morning post and professor holok sang a senior research fellow at the pan sutong shanghai hong kong economic policy research institute at the lingnan university uh, just a couple of uh, emails, uh, first of all, relating to our discussion yesterday. Uh, one of the issues was uh, about not about uh, stopping the head of the Human Rights Watch uh, at uh, Immigration. Andrew, on that topic, says, not allowing the Human Rights Watch head to enter was a major error by the government and needs an explanation. It was also entirely inconsistent. As, for example, they just this week allowed a German artist to enter and leave Hong Kong freely who was here to paint a large mural in support of the protesters, which, of course, they should have. Hong Kong is open and must remain open. That comes uh, from Andrew. Mark Pinkston says Roth's attempt to enter Hong Kong to deliver a human rights report on China was a publicity stunt. Of course, the lion roars when you enter its den to pull teeth, and Mr Roth knows that, comes from uh, Mark uh, uh, Pinkston. And Bernadette says, on a different topic, we as Hong Kong citizens need to prove our financial status before the immigration gives us the approval to be able to hire a domestic helper. Can't something like this be legislated so that proof of financial status be provided before the same immigration department approves that a spouse or child can land in Hong Kong? It seems people take wives or the other way around in, in a couple of months or years they're dumped so the Hong Kong government takes on this burden of supporting the dump party. Gives them a time limit of seven years and if within this time period the family splits then send them back home over the border <laughs> so the mainland can take over the duties to support the mainland party and we will take care of our Hong Kong party. Let me know your comments please. Have a lovely day. That comes from <laughs> Bernadette. A, ch a chuckle there from... Uh, well no chuckle, a sort of woohoo. I mean... Uh She's right. It's a problem. It, it, it is an issue. But uh, to think of the hardship caused to children who might be quite well settled in Hong Kong. Um, or, you know, there are a lot of difficulties about sending people back, actually. It's not easy for people to reintegrate into the mainland and the mainland systems once they've landed in Hong Kong. Uh, it's probably worth discussing sooner or later this whole issue of... Uh, Mainland immigrants. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, that 158A. Um, yeah. Um, well, Peter Guy is w with us in our central studio. Miss Guy, good morning to you. 
Good morning. Thanks for, for joining us. So we've had this little sort of kind of flurry of, uh, of activities with the, the Provincial People's Congress in Guangdong, the new head of the liaison office and various people saying, you know, yeah, we've got to look to the Greater Bay Area. Um, uh, what do you make of that? Do you think it's got legs? Oh, and Hulok Sang's there as well. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, is it good? would that work? Is that work? I mean, especially, you know, after the last seven months, have things changed? Well, I think, especially if you're talking about university grads and young people, <clears throat> after the last seven months, they uh, they have to sober up and look at some of the trends that are occurring in Hong Kong as far as uh, as far as jobs and opportunities for university grads. Uh, besides the uh, the one big challenge, which is a difference in salaries between uh, grads in Shenzhen, which is about 8,800 uh, uh, yuan per year versus in Hong Kong, uh, the, the graduate salary was about uh, 14,400 a month. Um, you have to look at the trend that many banks, certainly that I talked to, uh, are going to be expanding in China over the years, uh, looking for business, just like American banks in New York have offices in Dallas, Chicago, Los Angeles. Uh, this is an unavoidable business trend, and uh, it's a, it's about time that uh, young people started looking not only at Greater Bay Area, but you know the extension of that, which is uh, uh, Belt and Road. Mm, Kazakhstan, here we come, eh? Uh, but C- um, can't they get jobs in Hong Kong? Is there? An, an, I mean, doesn't seem to be much of an unemployment problem, is there? Uh, yes, yes, there is. Actually, mm. the uh, monthly uh, median graduate salary in uh, 1987 was about $20,000, which was actually higher, is higher than today. Uh, there's there's just uh, not enough good banking jobs to go around. And as China opens up, uh, bankers have to actually go to major industrial areas in China, uh, first tier and second tier cities, Wuhan, Chengdu, to, to uh, uh, develop the, the markets and develop the business. So... Uh, you know the 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 trend is already there, and banks are already looking for uh, uh, mainland hires because they they feel that uh, you need uh, mainlanders to serve mainland business. Isn't that the problem? If they want if they want to open in the mainland, why not employ mainland people? Why would they want Hong Kong people? Uh, well. In the end, bankers employ people who they think can develop the business best. You know, whether you're Hong Kong Chinese or whether you're American or British, if you can uh, communicate, talk, and market in that culture, they're actually uh, uh, quite open open to that. I've heard that actually there's quite an aversion now to recruiting Hong Kong graduates. People feel so uncertain about whether they are suddenly going to start rioting, whether they can be considered politically reliable and so on. Have you heard anything like that? I, I like you, have heard that story. Um, in talking to banks, it's not as uh, extreme as that. But um, the main criteria is not whether you're uh, as much politically correct as much as whether you can actually do the job. And the job requires uh, servicing uh, developing and selling products in the mainland market. So it gets back to standards of potent war amongst Hong Kong graduates, I guess. 
that that's certainly one and also understanding how to how to uh, develop business in that country but if i don't understand if the banks want someone who knows how to work within that culture wouldn't they get a mainlander rather than a hong konger that would again favor the mainlander uh, initially yes that 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 seems to be that seems to be the choice you know you have to remember um let's say going back uh, 25 years before the big uh, ascension of of the mainland economy and finance that in hong kong it was a really uh it was a really tight financial market and and most of the people they hired were kids from rich families because they figured uh, uh those that was the only market and uh, anybody below that didn't have the uh, didn't have the ability to um to 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 discuss finance but that's changed changed uh, considerably since china's come in because you simply just can't hire these kind of these kind of uh, uh, locals if if we look at the bigger political picture and we've got um the beijing's new representative here and so on is it is it possible that they will uh, they haven't lost patience with hong kong that they will somehow try and facilitate employment opportunities across the border for hong kong's young people yes i think i think that's uh, that's going to be a policy move i mean if we can build uh, massive infrastructure and bridges to china i i gather that the the next program will be some sort of subsidy to bridge the the salary gap cost of living cost of living gap between hong kong graduates and their need to uh, be able to operate in china for a while and and seek work mm. yeah hello her- sorry good morning to you good morning. thanks for for joining us uh, yeah if you were the government and you wanted to encourage people for economic and or political social reasons to integrate to work in the greater bay area how would you do it with that kind of subsidy peter comes to well i think in the final analysis it has to be the man- the mindset of the individual uh, the government really uh, shouldn't uh, try to do more than just providing the the environment and the opportunities it's really up to the individual to look for those opportunities and i think uh, uh, Hong Kong people have long been well known you know for the open-mindedness and global perspective and so on and that is actually one of the uh, criteria one of the one, one of the qualities of university graduates that universities want to nurture you see so it's up to the in, uh, the individual student himself you know to prove himself and uh, in regard to uh, the point just made uh, that uh, uh, um, some employers have expressed concern about uh, uh, this cohort of, of uh, graduates and, and, and are worried that uh, they may not uh, uh, just do the duties and instead uh, of doing the duties, they may think, other, think about other things and, and then they, they wouldn't perform. Um, I think it's really up to the student, uh, the, the individual himself, to prove himself. And, and I think, uh, um, likewise, I would uh, encourage employers to be open-minded too, you know. Uh, I think it is very unfair, it would be very unfair, you know, to just brand all these graduates to, to be all like that, you know, in, in, in the, in the uh, perception, which could be quite wrong. So um, I think uh, being open-minded to opportunities and uh, proving oneself 
is the main thing. And and uh, there's. Are, are you saying then that there isn't that much that the government can do to? Change people's minds in terms uh, of to change people's money. Yeah, yeah. It's something else. Uh, well, uh, it all starts with education and culture, and uh, it takes a long time. You know, changing people's uh, uh, um, mindset is not so easy, but you have to start. And I think uh, um, um, our education system has uh, not been very successful in that particular regard. And I had hoped, you know, that the liberal studies would have helped, you know. But apparently liberal studies is not really helping, you know, because uh, uh, even some, some, of, some teachers in liberal studies, they are narrow-minded and they are not aware of the progress of, of the mainland, you know. Of course, uh, it, they should criticize, you know, certain things uh, about the mainland, which I do myself. And uh, and I think uh, uh, being fair-minded and uh, open to uh, um, challenging one's own per- uh, perceptions, uh, uh, long-ingrained perceptions, I I think that's an important quality, you know, uh, uh, for an individual, you know, to 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 be successful uh, in, in, in their careers. But but there's an absolute mountain to climb, isn't there? I mean, every. Every opinion survey we've had lately, like these opinion surveys, showing a, a great aversion to, um, frankly, anything to do with the mainland. And certainly that's my own sort of experience, too, from, uh, from contacts with young people. Yeah, that's a, that, is the, uh, uh, that is like the mainstream right now among mm. youngsters. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think uh, um, uh, the mainstream doesn't represent everyone and I am hopeful that p- even people in this mainstream can change their minds and and I and I think uh, uh, it's really up to you know teachers teachers and parents should uh, 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 try to nurture that kind of open-mindedness but, among but young people of course people would say well that kind of open-mindedness that that critical inquiring mind that you're talking about and you're saying we want to foster is exactly the sort of thing that's stifled on the mainland that is that is yeah that is something the, the that's something we the government we, we should criticize stopping that kind of thing you, you see that's something that's something we should criticize and i have myself personally i have written an article uh in ming pao uh the chinese uh, newspaper uh uh Criticizing the so-called seven taboos, okay, that shouldn't be discussed in universities. Okay, I, I think that's really stupid, and I am critical of that. And I'm hmm. saying that teachers should, exam- uh, should set an example, uh, showing students that on the one hand they can criticize, on the other hand they can be open-minded to other uh, uh, aspects of progress or, or, on the mainland, you see. And... Uh, I am trying to educate the mainlanders as much as our own students about these things. You see, the fact is that biases are very common, and some of some of us may not be aware of that. And and, and I think that is something that educators have a very important uh, um, role. You know, but all this uh, all these uh, events of the last seven months will. Mm-hmm eventually come to pass and right. people will uh, look at how they will uh, fit into fit into the future the, you know the new economy that's already that's already here you mentioned Kazakhstan here we come well actually 
um, when I was young, I was more than happy to, for someone to pay me to learn passion. And, uh, and I did live and work in Kazakhstan. I worked for the World Bank. I thought that was, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I know young people now uh, roll their eyes at that. But that's the, that's the future uh, in, a, in a Chinese economy that's an emerging superpower and spreading its influence throughout the region, not just Greater Bay Area, but Belt and Road. And you have to look at where we are now in Hong Kong, which is a very uh, inward-looking, almost intellectually inbred society. Best evidence of that is <laughs> why don't you pick up a copy of Hong Kong Tatler and see the people in that magazine. These are, uh, these are the people that hold most of the money in this town, and they certainly have no interest in in Belton Road because I actually uh, talked to them and their board members. Uh, the, they're, they're yeah, you can't quite say they're cynical. not international, though. They're, yeah. all, they're all American educated, and all, their children are all being that, educated. That's right. They're more they're more happy to be at Stoke Park, okay, or Pebble Beach in California than to be to What's be Stoke Park. I've never yeah, heard uh, of Stoke. It's a it's a famous golf course made oh, okay. famous in Goldfinger. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> go check it out. Now you're talking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's that? Located? It's a golf course uh, just outside London. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, oh, okay. I, I wouldn't say that. Op I mean, live and learn. Eh? Surely Hong Kong people are pretty open to international contacts. They used to except be. China. You don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but Europe and US and Taiwan and Japan. Yeah. People worship Japan and Korea yeah. and things like that. Well, there's all kinds of links. Well, that's changed after a generation. I'm. You really? know, what counts for success in Hong Kong now is, well, which family were you born into? Who are you married into? Mm. And who are you related to? That's, uh, that's success in Hong Kong. When you look internationally no, in California, it's, it's like you have, you have new wealth every generation through mm. technology mm. and new markets. You can just, you can just track it and see. So we've become very uh, self-righteous and self-regarding in this town. And it's, and it's time that the, the new generation Realize that that golden rice bowl, which also includes buying a flat and 25 years later having the flat worth five times more than it is, is probably is probably no longer an attainable dream, and it's not a dream you want to take a risk on. Uh, yeah, I think I think yeah, M maybe you're right about the property. I can I can I can see that. I don't know about the internationalization though, uh, and I don't see that. I'm not sure that reliance and over reliance on property. Uh, would change with further integration. Well, the over reliance on property to generate wealth in this town has taken to us to where we are now. Mm -hmm. A huge concentration and disparity of wealth, which mm -hmm. is unhealthy, uh, not just economically into to the middle class and the, and the working class, but you know intellectually, very very uh, very very dangerous and dry and mm -hmm. uh, um, not able to rejuvenate itself. Mm. When you talk about int being international, I mean more than looking at the latest uh, 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 fashion from Christian Dior, which is what's, what rich people seem to do here a lot. I mean internationally looking at completely new ideas. You know, if you brought Facebook here in 2000 and, and eight, I don't, I don't think anyone would be able to understand what it is. But there are people who've obviously made fabulous fortunes who totally understood it. It's that ability, as the professor was saying, to to completely uh, uh, radically allow yourself to accept new change, which is even moving across the border to Shenzhen, which seems almost uh, almost blasphemous or heretic to a lot of young people, <laughs> right? 
but they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to learn to accept that. And also Kazakhstan, which you mentioned earlier in the program. Why not? Mm. Well, it's a kind of dreary diagnosis that you're both coming up with uh, because the cures seem very far away. you both describing very fully the miserable attitudes of Hong Kong, as, and, as Peter is saying, quite sterile in a sense when it comes to innovation. But how do we, how do we move that along? Has anybody got any ideas? I think it has to start with uh, education, as I said. Uh, and, and that is why liberal studies and the teachers' training in liberal studies is really vital. And it's really, you know, the teachers need to be trained in a particular way. Uh, you know, about uh, this open-mindedness and humility, which uh, apparently a lot of teachers of liberal studies do not possess. But, but again, if you value open-mindedness, mm. you wouldn't go to China. Uh, I wouldn't say that. You see, I'm over I, I wouldn't I'm say that. It, you know, you, you know uh, uh, let, me, let me give you uh, this uh, uh, narr narrative, okay? In the 70s, you know, I had visited China... And at that time, China was, was so closed, you know, the mind was so closed, it wouldn't even allow uh, classical music, you know, mm -hmm. and saying that, okay, classical music is, uh, is uh, bourgeois. Yeah, Western bourgeois, bourgeois. bourgeois. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Were, were you and, still in the time and, of the Cultural Revolution yeah, then? Right, you? right, mm. right. So, so it was very, very closed, mm. you know. But at that time, interestingly, a lot of Hong Kong university students are... Uh, espoused China as it was. And I was critical of China then. You, you see, but many um, uh, university graduates, uh, students, they espouse China, uh, Mao's China, and they defend Mao's China. You see, but China has opened up so much, and you have to see that progress. You see, even, even though one is very narrow-minded, very close at the beginning, one can evolve. So you have, to, you have to witness China's e evolution, and you have to witness your own evolution. Okay, yeah, and yeah you could also look at a short-term thing. You could say, well, compare Xi Jinping with Deng Xiaoping, and Xi Jinping, you could say, has been, is more restrictive in many ways and has been shutting down discourse um, that was previously freer in China. Um, I am a bit uh, uh, unhappy about that too, but at the same time, we have to understand that the, the international political arena has changed. You see, mm. at, at the time of Deng Xiaoping, you know, America was much more friendly to, 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 to China. And uh, now, you see, you have uh, witnessed uh, some of the political events happening overseas and and I think there's a reason you know why China is taking uh, excessive precaution and I, and I call it excessive and uh, because I think it's too much but uh, uh, today's today's international po politics is not quite the same as uh, the politics of the of the, of the 70s or early 80s mm. you know students and young people have to realize that despite how much they protest and uh, I do respect their right to peacefully protest. Right, right, sure. That the scene has entirely changed. You know, China and America, and you could even argue with the EU, are, are in a competitive relationship at many levels. And if you take it from that viewpoint, and that Hong Kong 
is increasingly poorly positioned to uh, to to add further value to that then you have to look at your career and ask where can i where can i best as a university graduate with no real work experience exploit that and they should be um signing up to programs to go to kazakhstan <laughs> signing up the programs to go into china mm. because that's where the uh, that's where the op- that's where the opportunity uh, lies and that's where y- your future lies and no one said that you had to repudiate who and what you are as a hong kong person that's 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 not uh, that's not true but you're well, going to have to have well, an intellectual except, flexibility except beijing says that doesn't it well, you're going to have to repudiate. Uh, well, you can't listen. You can't in, read your newspaper, and you can't listen to this radio station. For example, that's true. But if you but if you go to uh, many many countries around the world, there's uh, certainly that I've worked in uh, Central Asia, Africa. There's all sorts of problems and restrictions, uh, you know, in 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 society. I think uh, I think young people, fresh graduates, have to realize. They have to take up that opportunity. China now is like the U.S. in the 50s and 60s, expanding its influence, its economic influence, financial influence throughout the developing world. Uh, this represents a very, very substantial opportunity for uh, trained university graduates. Okay. Uh, Holok-san, can you yeah. stick around or do you have to go? I, I have to go. You have I'm to sorry. go. All right. Well, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, we'll you. continue the discussion and uh, air some emails as well after the news at nine, coming up in uh, three minutes. Uh, Holok-san, thank you very much indeed. Uh, professor and uh, Senior Research Fellow at the Pan Sutong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at uh, Lingnan University. After nine, we're also going to be talking about that uh, new $10 billion, $10 billion a year, by the way, of course, package uh, unveiled by the uh, Chief Executive yesterday. Uh, Fernando Chang will be joining us. Any thoughts uh, on that? Uh, please share them by uh, emailing backchat at rthk.hk. We'll read out your messages or give us a call. 233-88266 is the number and the weather before the news now at nine bright periods. Uh, maximum temperature today up to about 21 degrees, moderate to fresh easterly winds, occasionally strong offshore. And the outlook mild during the day. Tomorrow, 19 degrees now. Humidity is at 80%. <laughs> When her image was featured on the One Yuan note in 1962, at the age of 17, she was admitted to a school for tractor drivers, the only female student in her class. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Bank Chat on a Wednesday morning with Rachel Cartland and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking uh, first uh, in this part of the programme about the integration, further integration to the Greater Bay Area in Guangdong. Uh, this is on the back of uh, uh, statements by the new head of the liaison office here and uh, also a uh, new survey from a privately funded organisation uh, that uh, is trying to promote cross-border exchanges, showing that, uh, suggesting that more than 70% of young people that they interviewed held that the city should keep its distance from uh, mainland China. Peter Guy, economist with the South China Morning Post, is in our uh, central studio. Later, we're also going to be talking first thoughts on that uh, $10 billion, $10 billion a year package uh, announced by the chief executive yesterday. Fernando Chang joining us for that. Uh, 
do chip in. 233-88266 is the telephone number. We'll put you live on air. Uh, or you can email back, chat at rthk.hk, and we'll try not to mangle your messages. Andrew, in an email, says, Holok Sang may be correct in his statement that it would be unfair of employers to discriminate against current graduates and see them as a monolithic group. But realistically, it would be naive to think that multinationals would be excited about employing the class of 2020. The reality is that unless, in, unless you are looking to hire extras for the Hunger Games franchise, being an expert in flaming arrow archery isn't that compelling a core competency to a prospective employer. Language skills, understanding of mainland China and willingness to relocate are, and today's Hong Kong graduates are lacking in all of these. That's uh, from Andrew. Uh, Jay says, can you stop leading people up the garden path? Stop talking about graduates. Start talking about how we can help employ those older people who have the skills that can teach graduates. Many graduates never actually do the job that they studied, so this is a complete waste of time and is holding society back and clogging up positions for those that have the correct skills, hence why we have Hong Kong in the situation it is. We also have a situation where secretaries are running companies and judging who they will put through to personal personnel officers, for example, banks and the MTR. We can also see how Hong Kong has closed down the manufacturing industry to push us into China. Those observations from Jay. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Peter Guy, Holok Sang was talking there about the need for education. We're just talking about the way to kind of change minds, change attitudes. I mean, you'd be making a case for why, you know, young people um, should, why it's in their interest to to uh, travel overseas and, uh, and so on. But how would you affect that change? How would you persuade people of that? Most uh, the most direct way is is uh, government to start uh, Money. S- sustainable programs. To one, um, first of all, help uh, uh, Hong Kong Chinese students, people to get, to get the visas necessary to work in China. You know, one of the biggest problems is uh, is getting the the proper visa to to, to seek employment. Um, starting businesses. A lot of people can do it, but it's very expensive in China. So for if you're talking specifically about graduates, the government has to do that, probably has to start funding programs uh, to go to Kazakhstan to uh, learn these languages on Belt and Road and uh, be part of a – and and be part of that infrastructure called uh, Greater China. You you know, Hong Kong in its – in its elite property fixation has totally missed the tech trend, which China has grabbed with Alibaba, Tencent, uh, uh, DJ, and all a, and a host of companies, most of which are just across the border. Why is that? Well, the the rich people here simply have no interest in something like that. Why would they when they can just drive rents up for the last uh, 20 years? Uh, that's even a, that's a broad issue the government has to tackle if we're a rent-seeking society, and uh, that that, as Karl Marx described, leads to uh, seeds of its own destruction. And uh, we see this kind of intellectual bankruptcy. I see it because I'm out there in the market talking to people, and uh, you see this you see this uh, uh, detachment from uh, from facing up to the challenges. Uh, that that confront Hong Kong, gloomy but plausible, unfortunately. But but, yet, but this is your argument is is about economics. It's about money. It's about persuading people. Well, the hearts and mi- the hearts and minds issue uh, will follow because Herlock Sang was saying it's hearts and minds first. I guess the problem with a with a hearts and minds program is that whatever education you have, liberal engineering, um, uh, 
uh, physics. People think with their own minds and they take their education in a direction maybe that you didn't even expect. Ask most parents. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. And, it sounds and, very familiar. Yeah. And that, but that's what produces innovation and invention and so on, doesn't it? That's right. And part of innovation and invention, as an innovator and as an inventor, if you consider yourself one. And today, there are no iron rice bowl jobs, so you have to be adaptable uh, and invent re, and reinvent your own career. Part of that is being very open minded and pushing yourself. And uh, pushing yourself into Greater Bay Area is is completely uh, a logical move. If you go up there, uh, the transformations that have taken place in Shenzhen since I used to uh, own and run factories up there, the the awful battery acid factory in Shenzhen has been shut down and and moved up north, and uh, streets there are actually looking like uh, uh, the, the the streets I see in Vancouver. Yeah, I, I know it's a very attractive in a sense of physical attractiveness. But I'm just wondering whether you can't think in a completely different way and think, well, actually, to fit into the Greater Bay Area, Hong Kongers can stay in Hong Kong because, um, as the chief executive has been saying at the Asian Financial Forum, uh, Hong Kong's strength and the way it can contribute is actually through things like the common law and uh, the free flow of information and so on, which people in the mainland do find useful. Is that, an, is that another practical way just, to think of things or not? Just to supplement that, they also had the, the stock exchange this week, didn't they? You saying that uh, they thought IPOs would flourish in Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, and so you could stay in Hong Kong and take advantage of that. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> well, <clears throat> well. For <clears throat> everyone recites uh, basic law, common law, um, <clears throat> financial market, open financial market as Hong Kong's strengths, and they're certainly true. But <clears throat> if you look at history and uh, uh, and see see China's development, don't overrate common law. Don't overrate it because. China is trying to catch up very hard. Don't forget, 20 years ago, many uh, many wealthy Hong Kongers and business people here thought it would take much longer for China to, to overtake Hong Kong. It has basically overtaken it in everything except areas like finance, which are highly dependent on common law. And you can see the jobs narrowing in that area because ultimately the senior bankers I talked to realize that uh, um, they're going to have to make a compromise between um, sticking up for common law and also needing to do business in China where common law is not yet fully developed. I don't know if, if young people look at the future of the common law or whether they think, oh, I really don't like China. Mm. Uh, it's a fairly kind of immediate, visceral thing, isn't mm. it? They don't want to... I mean, I, they might think, oh, I'll go to Taiwan or I'll go to somewhere else instead or go to Europe or something like this. Um, they just don't like China. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the... Like it or not, it makes sense or not. It is. It does seem to be the reality. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it certainly is after seven months. I mean, of, what if you were the government? Well, you, uh, sorry, yeah, you've been saying that you'd. Yeah, after seven months of rioting, it seems it certainly seems that way, and um, you know, and 
if you have any experience working in areas of civil disorder, it seems bleak. It seems bleak uh, right at the moment. However, you know, moving forward, this city will not fall into the sea. There will be a new economy here, a new a new Hong Kong. You may not like it, but there will be opportunities in it. And uh, we have to be very uh, sober and and uh, uh, guide, especially young people, uh, into how to uh, into how to make a life in the, in this new economy. That, that's 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 the reality. Sitting here and just going in circles, saying that they that young people don't like it, they hate China, they uh, they're full of enmity, um, does not actually engineer a solution. You're working you're working the you're working the people and not the problem. And the problem is the government will have to focus. Yes, I agree, Rachel, on on hearts and minds and with with young people produce programs, you know, which are which which are which help get, uh, push young people and to experiment to go into places like Kazakhstan, to go on Belton Road, and to make it easy for them to uh, start to look for work in Greater Bay Area and to adapt to. Uh, society just across the border mm. they're, they're probably going to have to try a bit harder than to date because it's not as if there have been no efforts currently by government I mean, there's a very heavily subsidized program of uh, trips for school children to the mainland for example uh, so there, there's plenty of subsidized exposure uh, but um, it needs some kind of refreshing perhaps um it probably needs, it probably needs a fresh look, uh, and and I'm what I'm trying to emphasize is that uh, you know unlike other situations, Hong Kong uh, really has no choice. We are sovereign Chinese territory, and it is up to the government and and the leaders of society to uh, to learn from the seven months of protest and to guide this guide this place through. And luckily, you know the government has a lot of money. The uh, has has close to a trillion dollars of of foreign deposits. You know, every day after every day after a protest, the streets are immediately cleaned and ready for traffic the next morning. So, so unlike other uh, uh, places under revolution, I've uh, I've lived. Uh, the the city is fully functioning. We have we have the treasury. We have the uh, uh, the expertise. It's whether you have the will and open mindedness to uh, to to lead into the future. Mm, and that does seem questionable. Just wondering if there are not some people in business who could play a bigger part, because after all, this report that has recently come out uh, basically seems to be the work of Adam Kwok. Uh, you know, a second generation from the Sunungate, third generation from the Sunungai family. Do you see any validity in business leaders doing a bit more? Yes, uh, I, I think they're doing a bit more. Someone, someone like him is uh, in a in a in a uh, risky position because being Western educated, uh, they are fairly liberal minded. At the same time, you. At the same time, a lot of a lot of these wealthy families are very much tied into Hong Kong and China. They can't move their assets, mm. or if they were to try, it would take years and years to do that. So you're starting to see with his remarks um, some advocacy uh, in this area.
What, what do you make of the um, that ten billion dollar ten billion dollar a year package that was um, uh, announced by the chief executive uh, yesterday? I think that's a good step. Why? Because up to now, um, government has always talked about welfare in terms of this this strange term they use here called sweeteners. That's <laughs> what the previous financial secretary and as someone like myself who has worked in public policy, uh, that's a that's a very um, that's a very poor way. To design public policy, one one-off throwaways every year, a sweetener, a gift. What we need, uh, and what any public policy needs, is sustainable policy, uh, not not just a, a once-a-year gift to, um, in in terms of welfare to poor people. And I think it's a good start. And to start to craft programs, uh, social welfare programs that are sustainable, that are for the long term, that can be uh, funded on a basis to produce produce lasting outcomes is very important for this city. Mm. Sustainable is a key word, isn't it? Because already that announcement's produced uh, comments that they're not going to be sustainable, that we are going to run out of money. Do you look to increase tax in the end for, for this sort of thing? Well, a, a lot of analysts have talked about tax reform in Hong Kong. <clears throat> Higher profits tax, dividend tax, estate taxes, any any modern city that uh, where the citizenry has expectations, better social welfare, education. You look at the large number of universities that have uh, um, proliferated over the decades. Uh, will uh, will require tax reform to to fund all that on a sustainable basis. Mm. So, what would be your prescription for the? best kind of tax reform to take Hong Kong forward. We, we had the sales tax proposed and pursued quite heavily, but then dropped. I would say, uh, I would say the socialist in me says, let's tax the rich here because uh, they, they basically pay whatever tax they want with just a 15% profit tax and salary tax. Uh, let's start having a dividend tax. Let's start uh, Taxing inheritance, inheritance, which is a big part of wealth transfer and so-called wealth building here. Let's tax that. Mm. Yeah, as you say, the socialists in you that <laughs> it's not going to go work down well with your friends from the, the tax <laughs> no, is it? <laughs> but at least I freely admit it. <laughs> uh, is this uh, is it uh, in response to the uh, recent events? Do you think this? Uh change of heart, this breakthrough in thinking, as the chief executive put it? Yeah, it's very interesting when you talk about a reaction to these events. Uh, many of the business people, board members of big companies I talk to, see this as an anti-China movement, a separatist movement, mm. which um, if you've worked enough revolutions and civil disorders like I, I have worked, you have the tools to really see that that's just a symptom because every week it, the the excuse goes from anti-China to anti-police to anti-government. The real source of this is it's a, it's a class warfare going on out there. Effectively, people can't express exactly what they want, which is a problem with many mass movements. The only... Um, bonding agent amongst all of that is hate which shifts week to week to different targets but it's it's class warfare it's a it's a, a revolt <clears throat> against uh, uh, an oppressive oligarchical property tycoon class 
and uh, a government that's had diff- great difficulties curbing that. And uh, that's what I, that's what I, and uh, certainly, uh, uh, let's say, Karl Marx wrote about that extensively. Now, his solutions were disastrous. I mean, the you know, I, 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 communist state has been proven to to have to <clears throat> to have to transform to even survive. But his observations about a free capitalist society that is totally unfettered, that is very much unregulated, uh, creates a concentration of wealth and power that uh, that that causes its own uh, destruction that's, and distress, which uh, is what we're seeing. Honestly, that's interesting and plausible. But then, why did the why did the protesters? Kind of uh, quite noticeably, not strike at the symbols of of uh, that you you know that epitomise well, what you're talking about. Why didn't they attack the stock exchange? Why were there no protests on the peak? Why did they not smash up Rolls Royces or something like this? Um, it seems that it was mm. the poor areas that got the brunt of it, not the <laughs> sure, not the rich. Well, I can answer that because um, is there something Freudian? <clears throat> there? Uh, well, as far as the peak, uh, the kids don't like, from what I'm told don't like going uphill and uh, there's no MTR up there and it's very hard to escape. That's why you've seen most of the riding along Nathan Road all the way from TST through uh, through Moncock. Uh, many side streets, MTR stations, uh, neighborhoods to, to run into. That's that's certainly what uh, uh, police landlords have told me because they're 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 very much victims of of this and they they know where they're hit the hardest. But uh, that, that's just that's that's just answering uh, the the tactics of, of of your of your question. I think um, I think with movements, especially leaderless movements, the object of of hatred is is not uh, and and the rhetoric and and the polemic is not easily controlled. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think they are. If you read the papers, the the kids are. Uh, keeping an eye on who the rich support. That's why they attack uh, certain fast food stores that are associated with pro-China figures. Yeah, I mean, right? this, this division, though, is quite noticeable, isn't it? And I mean, I think it's also been quite noticeable that there's been no looting. I mean, the CE is um, looking to the 2011 riots in UK as a kind of model, it seems. All right, let's t- see what they did there. But that was very much a looting riot. We, we'll smash the shops, any shops, take away TVs, brand name trainers, and so on. That's something that hasn't happened here at all, has it? No, but f- five years ago in the SCMP, I, after, during Occupy, I wrote a column, uh, which wasn't necessarily well received, <laughs> saying that uh, this movement will come back. Because you can't uh, you can't uh, control what people think, mm. and uh, it merely it merely goes beneath the waves and underground and metastasizes itself into uh, something more violent each successive time until we deal with the the uh, root causes of it, and and that's that goes back to our original topic, which is the root cause, which is which is encouraging young people. 
to mm. uh, to reorient their careers towards China. Okay. Well, we just got some uh, emails uh, before we just go to our, to our next guest. Jay says, of course, China has overtaken Hong Kong in the past 15 years because Hong Kong has been sleeping and concentrating on building hotels and houses. And if you follow the China system, anyone can go and do business in China. You don't need to be a government-funded graduate as long as you have money and stamina and guts. And Thomas says, the gist of the discussion is simply that there are not enough opportunities and well-paid jobs in Hong Kong for our university graduates. Singapore has not told its young people to go elsewhere to seek employment. Hong Kong lost all its manufacturing industry and government failed in the past to develop Hong Kong industries to provide jobs for the youth. Tung Chi Wah acknowledged that when he said we failed. That's uh, Thomas's take. Thank you very much indeed for that. And thank you very much indeed to uh, Peter Guy, economist with the South China Morning Post, for uh, joining us this morning. Very interesting discussion and earlier Holok Sang uh, as well. Uh, to that uh, sort of uh, second topic now, the issue of that uh, $10 billion a year package announced by the Chief Executive yesterday. Fernando Chang, a Labour Party lawmaker, joins us now. Mr Chang, good morning to you. Good morning. And thanks for, for, for joining us today. Just following up, I know uh, you were speaking also earlier on, on, the, uh, on Radio 3, uh, and you made this uh, observation that uh, some of these measures were ones that you and other political parties had been trying to sell to the administration through reasoned argument uh, for years. Uh, and you thought that uh, perhaps uh, Carrie Lam taking them on board at this juncture was a sign that uh, uh, violence uh, seemed to be more effective than rational discussion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting observation. Yeah, well, at least that's what it appears to be. Um, and certainly everything changes after the chief executive uh, met with the new guy at the China liaison's office. Mm. Um, Th that was only that was only a couple of days ago. Could she really have changed everything so much within a few days? Is that plausible? Well, I don't know, but uh, apparently the government has been very adamant about not exercising any rental control or uh, giving out any rental subsidies to low-income households uh, for years. Uh, they seem to be a staunch protector of uh, what they think is. Um, free market mechanism. Uh, and uh, you have to remember that uh, Labor and Welfare Secretary C.K. Law just said uh, not too long ago uh, that um, the age of 60 is considered middle age. And therefore, they have every reason to push up the uh, age for elderly CSSA application from the age of 60 to 65. And now they're lowering that transport subsidies from 65 to 60. Um, and they are standardizing the OH living allowance, which dish out uh, $3,500 per month to people who have uh, less than $500,000 of savings. Uh, that pretty much covers, uh, I think, over 80% of of the population, of the elderly population in Hong Kong. That almost is uh, close to a universal pension system, which uh, we have been, and a lot of uh, other political parties have been advocating for, for years. So, you know, it, these measures, um, I don't know where they come from. Of course, they've been on the table for decades. And all of a sudden, uh, you have Carrie Lam saying yes to them, and she even mentioned that the difference between the labor uh, or the um, legal holidays and the public holidays, the five-day difference, 
is unfair. Now, where has she gone in the in the past uh, three thirty uh, years? <laughs> so you, know, you, you cannot cannot um, feel uh, that this is coming from her mouth. I mean, it's so odd. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that you were going to enlighten us on the politics because (laughs) I think we're all asking these same questions for the same reasons. And it also seems, as far as we can tell from reports, that other people in the political field, even in the, the bits of the government that are most closely connected with these policies, were not aware of these these changes until they took place. Is it, Carrie? Is it the liaison office? Well, I mean, you know better than I, but I have (laughs) known Carrie for decades. And uh, this is certainly not her. So it has to come from somewhere else. Uh, You know, when she was the uh, director of social welfare, she was very mean, very uh, calculative uh, about uh, CSSA. And now all of a sudden she is so generous to the grassroots people. Uh, it, it, I, I just don't think that this, has, this would be coming from her administration. So it has to be from the liaison office or somebody high up there. Maybe not directly from the mouth of the uh, new director, but she certainly was instructed to provide uh, better uh, relief uh, programs for uh, the uh, disadvantaged and to uh, appease people who are uh, so angry about her administration. Yeah, I think there's also perhaps the DAB factor, isn't there? That they took such a punishing in the district council elections and are perhaps hoping to uh, appease their normal voters, of who, which tends to be a quite elderly demographic. Mm-hmm. Do you think, yeah. do you think, you think all, there's something there? It's all political. Uh, it, it has nothing related to uh, true, genuine intention of um, relieving people who are suffering because of the uh, disparity of uh, wealth distribution or power distribution. It is something uh, political that uh, she, her, 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 her reputation, the uh, legitimacy of this government has completely gone way out of the window, and, and she has to do something but, to but, salvage it. But didn't you want, do, doesn't everybody want mm-hmm. her to be more politically yeah. savvy? Well, you, yeah, wanted to I, be, I, you wanted to be a smarter politician. Oh, well, she's yeah. proving to be a smarter politician, <laughs> and now you're complaining about it. No, no, no. I, I want these schemes to be implemented as soon as possible. They should be implemented years ago. So I certainly welcome a lot of these measures. Well, not exactly how they are doing it, but the general direction is correct, but uh, this is not rational governance. This is not uh, civilized governance. This is like um, if uh, you make the situation so chaotic, then we will give in. So why why would anybody uh, continue to use rational approach to reason? It, it doesn't. It, it never works. It only works when the government sees that this society has com- been completely chaotic, that they are uh, uh, pushed to the corner, that um, there's no no option for that. 
So why do we have to resort to such uh, sort of measures? Uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's not a, a modern society. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it does not jive with the um, civilization. The, the, the type of modernity that we are enjoying in Hong Kong is it, simply... Uh, I've never seen any low governance so low as such. Okay. Uh, a couple more comments just to finish off. Andrew says, good news from Santa Lam yesterday. Only four more years, Hugh, and you'll be able to travel to the burnt-out shell of your studio for a mere $2. <laughs> oh, thanks, Andrew. Uh, and uh, Ben says, good morning. One of the guests claims Western countries and leaders had changed their attitude to China compared to the 70s. Because last year President Xi amended China's constitutional constitution, chairman can renew term unlimited. Western leaders felt disappointed and no hope on democracy in China and have tried to try tighten the economy interest to Hong Kong, i.e. 5G, direct investment, technology transfer, etc. Thanks a lot, Reds. That comes from Ben. Ben, thank you very much indeed. And uh, uh, Rachel, many thanks to you and to our producer, uh, Michelle Chan, as ever. The weather, bright periods, temperatures up to about 20. 21 degrees today. The outlook mild during the day tomorrow. 19 degrees now. Humidity is at 79%. Do you wish to learn more interesting things? Are you hoping to have a platform to showcase your talent? Do you want to have your own home? Would you like to have more development opportunities? Do you hope to live at ease? What are your views? Your opinions matter. Go to www.budget.gov.hk and share your views on the 2020-21 budget. 9.33, the news now with Samantha Butler. The campaign group Human Rights Watch has accused the Chinese authorities of overseeing the most brutal and pervasive oppression the country has seen in decades. The group's annual report highlights the treatment of more than a million Uyghur Muslims who've been rounded up and held in camps for political indoctrination. Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen says the island has no need to declare formal independence because it's already an independent country. She said last weekend's presidential election, in which she won a second term in office, was a very clear signal to Beijing to rethink its position. And a microbiologist says he's concerned about the level of containment in Wuhan, which is battling an outbreak of a new virus. There are around 60 confirmed cases of the novel coronavirus on the mainland and one overseas case in Thailand. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. How are you? You're not too bad at all. Good morning. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil. Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type It's a great experience if you just want to get a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Welcome to Wednesday. Hi, I'm Phil Whelan, and it's always nice to be back with you. A few minutes from now, 